power of perseverance. Um, we, uh, I think about all of you. I think about the relationships I have with so many of you, and I think about how you have, so many of you have served God faithfully over years and years and years of your, life, of your lives, and how many of you have labored here with me consistently without fail for years and years. I think about, you know, it's interesting, um, prayers for us. I don't know how the offering is today, but this month we were about 60% of where we need to be for this month, which is unusual because we've been doing fine. And so, but I thought about the, the giving and the perseverance that has taken place in the way that uh, so many of you have so faithfully supported the work of this church and continue to do so. And um, this morning, as we talk about perseverance, may we all be encouraged to keep on keeping on in the things of God. And there's a story, and this is a real story, and it's from the mid-20th century, about a young lady named Florence Chadwick. And she, was, she grew up as the daughter of a San Diego police officer, and she grew up in a beach community, so she, as a little girl, fell in love with the water, and real early in her life, it became evident that she excelled at something that I would totally suck at, <laughs> and that would be endurance swimming. And, uh, yeah, right, somebody say amen to that, right? And uh, she started competitive swimming at the age of six, but her first victory was in a two-and-a-half-mile rough water swim at the age of 10, where she placed fourth. Uh, a year after that, she won first place in a six-mile rough water race. I don't even want to be in a boat for a six-water rough race. Uh, but, you know, in, endurance swimming, I don't know much about it, but I do, what I do know about it, it it's, it's this unique uh, combination, of, uh, this unique competition that requires special abilities and it requires mental and physical perseverance that's much more than is required for shorter distance swimmers, right? And so it requires athletes to keep good form and technique and, and concentration for hour after hour after hour after hour. And, and most marathon swimmers swim between 60 and 70 strokes a minute, so a 10-hour swim could require 42,000 strokes. A 14-hour swim would require 58,000 strokes, and that's incredible to me. And, and then there are the hazards that go along with long-distance ocean swimming because the swimmer has to navigate through the pitch-black darkness of night and often dealing with, with thick fog and enduring swarms of jellyfish and const- being constantly on, 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 the, on the lookout for uh, the presence of sharks. I mean, that's scary, amen. Um, but Chadwick made, first made history in her crossing of the English Channel, and the channel swim was considered to be the greatest cha- uh, challenge available to swimmers in her day. And the fact that less than 7% of those who attempted to swim across the English Channel complete the 23-mile trip, it's a testament to the difficulty of the task. And so on August 8, 1950, I can finally say something was before I was born. <laughs> on August 8, 1950, after training for two years, Chadwick set the, a world record for crossing, swimming from France to England in 13 hours and 20 minutes. Now, you think she's done? No. <laughs> on September 11, 1951, she made, made a historic return trip and swam back. And despite dense fog and strong headwinds, she prevailed through a 16-hour, 22-minute ordeal and became the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways, from France to England as well as from England to France. Now, almost a year later, she attempted to set another record by, becoming the, by attempting to become the first woman to swim 21 miles across the Catalina Channel on the Southern California coast. You all know that, that route because you take the boat over there, right? And uh, uh, um, she made her first attempt on July 4th, 1952. 
uh, again, before I was born. <laughs> and, and the weather was dreadful that, yeah, yeah. Uh, the weather, the weather, the, the, that's the only reason I've used this as a story. <laughs> the weather was dreadful that day, and the ocean was ice cold, and the fog was so thick that she could hardly see the support boat that was, that was uh, that, the boats that were following her, and, and sharks were prowling the waters all around her, and, and several times the support crew had to fire rifles to drive the sharks away. And, and so while Americans were watching on this new thing called television, she swam for hours pressing on and on through the fog. And her mother and, and father, were, who were in one of the support boats, they were encouraging her to keep on going. Do you know what happened? After 15 hours and 55 minutes, still unable to see any significant distance through the fog, she succumbed to the circumstances and ended the attempt in asking her support crew to pull her out of the water. Now, what she did not realize when she finally threw in the towel on this swim, was that she was less than a mile from the other shore. She was incredibly close to completing this task, but because she couldn't see through that dense fog, she had no idea how close she was. And so after this failed attempt, she told a reporter that if only she could have seen the other shore, she could have completed the swim. But while pressing through the fog, unable to see the shore, unable to see her goal, she became overwhelmed by the sense that she was not making any progress at all. The final goal was out of sight. But the thick fog and the the rough seas and the the prowling sharks were all too evident all around her. And so in this uncharacteristic moment of weakness for her, she allowed that which was seen, you hear me? To overwhelm that which was as of yet not seen. Losing sight of the goal, she surrendered to her circumstances. With over 20 miles behind her, she gave up with only a half mile or so left to go. We need to learn the power of perseverance. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36, we find these words. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. 36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Hebrews was written on an attempt to, 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 to correct and to help uh, restore Jewish Christians who were in the process of abandoning their faith because of persecution and they were returning to the ordinance of Ju- ordinances of Judaism. And, and, uh, and uh, the book of Hebrews, the, the epistle to Hebrews is one of the most profoundly rich books in the New Testament and the authorship has traditionally been uh, attributed to Paul. But um, a lot of scholars would maintain we don't really know exactly who wrote it because it doesn't have any internal signature of, 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 the, of the author. Uh, and so some think that maybe the, the, the author may have been a, 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 an associate of Paul, a Jewish Christian who was an associate of Paul. But whoever the author was, <coughs> um, he recognized uh, his audience uh, as well as being established in the law uh, as being well-established in the law, that uh, he presents an ar- argument drawn from the prevalent themes that run through all of Scripture. And I'm losing my place here. And the, so the writers of, of Hebrews is encouraging his readers not to return to the Old Covenant, 
but to hold fast to the new and the better covenant. And so there are, in Hebrews, these extraordinary arguments uh, through the, that, that, that we find throughout the book that are just as ap- applicable, applicable to us today. And I need water because my mouth is dry. When you can't say applicable, you need water. To us today as it was to the Hebrews then. Because our struggles may be different. Our temptations to turn back are different. But the truth remains that there exists the same temptation today. And you know what that temptation is? To allow the very real obstacles and stumbling blocks of this life to overwhelm our faith and cause us to, sh- to stop short of receiving the promise of God. And the heart of Paul's exposition in Hebrews is the issue of faith. And you know the best known pa- portion of the book probably is a, is, starts in the 11th chapter when he presents the premise that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And the purpose of the 11th chapter of Hebrews is to demonstrate that faith operates operates in the realm of that which is hoped for, that which is as of yet still unseen. And this flies in the direct, uh, let me put it this way, this is uh, the exact opposite of our tendency to place our faith in things that we can see and touch. So through the record of Hebrews 11, the writer demonstrates how the the heroes of Hebrew history possessed a faith that was not founded in the present, but was constantly reaching for that which was not seen. Now, a few other verses that come to mind here. Paul provides encouragement to the believers at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, in a similar vein. He says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. And to the Galatians, who were also being beguiled and tempted to turn back, to revert back to legalism, Paul writes these words in Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. If we do not what? Give Give up. And so this morning, to cut to the chase and to give you a simple word and a simple message that you take from this place and allow to encourage you and strengthen you in your journey as as you live for God this week, the bottom line is this, and there are three simple things I want you to get from this. Number one, often victory is just over the horizon. You know what I'm talking about? Like for Florence Chadwick, less than a mile away, the shore was there. After all of that effort, all of that labor, victory was right there, and she stopped. She quit too soon. And I'm not mad at her because I know how it feels when you've given and you've gone and you've worked and you've labored and you've suffered and struggled and you can't see the shore, you can't see the finish line and sometimes you just get tired and weary or sometimes maybe you just get a little lazy. But for whatever reason, sometimes we give up. But I want to encourage you this morning, if you're believing God for something in your life, if, you are, if, you are, if you're striving for a certain level of, of spiritual maturity, if, if there's something you've been laboring for, if there's something you've been working on, if there's some, something you've been, there's some promise of God that you've been holding on to by faith to receive that promise, often victory is just over the horizon. And so that's why you don't quit. That's why you don't give up. Because... You don't know that the thing that you've been praying and asking and believing God for, if you quit believing and turn your back and and give up on it, who's to say that that would not have become yours tomorrow? Who's to say that that relationship that that you've been struggling and working and and, and praying and 
toiling before God. God, would you heal my relationship? Would you fix it? Who's to say that maybe if you just hang in there just a little while longer, just, just a few moments more, just a, maybe a couple more days, maybe a, a few more weeks or a few more months that God would give you the victory and the breakthrough that you had been expecting and praying for. Often victory is just over the horizon. But the second thing is this. God promises us harvest in due season. Not you season, but due season. Right? We want harvest in our season, and we like to be the ones that make that determination when the harvest is to come. And there's a lot that can be said about the harvest, and I'm not, a very, I'm not an agrarian, I'm not a farmer, I don't know, but I know some basic things. I know that when you plant a seed, it doesn't spring up overnight. And if you all have dealt with children, you know how children are, little, bit, little youngsters, when you say, we're going to plant some seeds in a little cup, and we're going to grow a little plant, you know, and you plant the seed in there, and then the next thing, two hours later, they're digging it up. Where's the plant? Now, I don't know how this applies, Angie, to the, the dwarf lemon tree in our backyard that you gave me four years ago. Yeah, she, my daughter gave, she gave us a, a dwarf lemon tree. We planted it with, with citrus fertilizer and the whole bit. It was this tall when we planted it. You know how tall it is today? It's actually gotten smaller. <laughs> because I guess the harvest of lemons is coming in due season, not my season, right? But God promises us harvest in due season. And so what Paul writes in Galatians 6, 9, in due season we will reap, but the secret is this, we reap if we don't give up, if we don't quit. And then the final thing is this, the har- and this is what we just, segueing into what we just said, the harvest is based on the condition that we persevere, that we don't give up. If you give up, you will not receive the harvest. Can you imagine the folly of a, of a farmer planting a field of, 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 of grain or a field of some edible crop and uh, fertilizing that crop and watering that crop and, and uh, deciding that whatever the germination period is, if the crop is supposed to show up in three weeks or something, deciding after a week, you know what, it's just not worth all this effort, and, and, amen, and I'm walking away from it. <laughs> if Orion won't show up to church, <laughs> amen. Marlena will give me, me my amen corner this morning. But the harvest is based on the condition that we persevere. And so for you to reap the harvest in your life that you're trusting God for, you must not quit. Uh, Some of you have been faithfully supporting the work of the Lord in your tithes and offerings. Don't stop. And I'm not just saying it because that's what pastors say because they run the church. But no, don't stop because the increase in your life and the the growth and the blessing and all the things, as Greg talks from week to week about how God works in our lives and how how he brings forth that harvest. You don't receive that harvest if you quit, if you give up. And so victory is often just over the horizon. God promises harvest in due season, but the harvest is based on the condition that we persevere. So for somebody this morning, maybe you were feeling like you're about to turn back, about to let go, about to give up, about to quit. Maybe you felt that all of your giving, all of your working, all of your serving, all of your loving, all of your pouring out, emptying of yourself to help others, maybe you felt that that's of no avail. Let me tell you something. Don't quit. Don't give up. Maybe you're a younger Christian and you feel that serving Jesus is, is, is futile, that somehow it's in vain because there, there are things that you thought God would have done in your life by now. There, there's growth in you that you thought would have occurred. There, there are changes in people around you that you were praying for that you thought would happen. Maybe you, you thought that the Christian life would, would have been more fulfilling to you at, at, by this point. Don't stop. Don't quit. Because often the blessing, the harvest is just over the horizon. 
Oswald, Oswald Chambers said this, faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways we, you may not understand at the time. Faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. And I don't understand why God allows certain things and disallows other things and why sometimes the blessing and the harvest takes so long to be received in my life. But I made a decision to trust God and to keep on doing the things that he's told me to do, that he's called me to do. So this morning, may I encourage your heart as we've worshiped and praised and, and, and prayed today and been together in his presence, don't get exhausted. Don't, 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 you may get tired, but don't allow yourself to get exhausted. You know the difference? Yeah, you know, you can be a little tired, but, but, don't, but don't, 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 don't give up. Don't quit. Stay with it. Keep on climbing. Keep on striving. Keep on going. Keep on pressing toward the goal because we will reap if we persevere. And that's the power of perseverance. As I close this morning, I'm reminded of the words in Isaiah, the 40th chapter, 40th chapter, verses 28 through 31, that I find so inspirational. And this is what the prophet says to God's people. He says this, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Now that's God. God does not grow tired. His understanding is beyond us. But here's the, here's the kicker. This is, what, this, this is what's in it for us. He who will not grow tired or weary, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Amen. Say, then young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, King James says, those who wait on the Lord, those who trust in the Lord, those who hold fast to God and refuse to quit and refuse to give up, he says, they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. May that promise be ours this morning as we walk in the power of perseverance in Jesus name. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for